Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It's so great to be with you on this Friday. We have made it through another week of American politics and so much to discuss today, starting off with this. Hey, you know how in large part, especially because of Trump's legal troubles, the right wing has, again, in large part, been pushing the idea that there's this two-tier justice system aimed at hurting Republicans, benefiting and protecting Democrats, especially those in positions of power. And it's a line that is often trotted out to defend Trump and to go after Biden and Democrats and all that. And we've gone through the specifics of when they say Hunter Biden's being protected and why that's not accurate or uh, Trump's being persecuted. We've gone through those particular examples. But I have another data point that refutes this characterization very strongly. Uh, here from CNN, New Jersey Democratic Senator Bob Menendez was charged on Friday with corruption-related offenses for the second time in 10 years. Now, when we look at the, or when we watch on the show, the responses to Trump's legal troubles, for example, uh, from right-wing media, what do we see? Bending over backwards to explain and try to prove that Trump's just the big victim. He's being politically persecuted. It's not just legal accountability. It's not justified. And uh, just a big defense of Trump. Here, a Democratic senator is being indicted. You will see uniformly across what you would call liberal media, if you want to describe it that way, what you're about to hear from me here, which is if there's evidence of a crime, hold him accountable. And it seems, even though innocent until proven guilty, he'll have his day in court, all that good stuff, it seems there is some significant evidence of crimes here. Prosecutors allege the bribes included gold, cash, home mortgage payments, compensation for a low or no-show job, and a luxury vehicle. Now, I will let CNN um, break it down here, and they'll show... <laughs> You'll see what they'll show the gold bars that prosecutors alleged he was being given as bribes. This is just a stunning story. He's being charged with corruption related charges for the second time in 10 years. He was charged, indicted before, and there was a hung jury, and now he's being charged again for something completely different. Let's get right to Kara Scannell for the details on this. Kara, what are you learning? Yeah, John, so the U.S. Attorney's Office here in Lower Manhattan has announced that they have brought bribery charges against Senator Menendez and his wife. And according to the prosecutor's office, that they allege that Menendez's wife had received hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes that they had done then used to help three New Jersey businessmen and the government of Egypt. This investigation has been going on for several years, and sources have told CNN that they have sent out rings of subpoenas to people seeking information about some of these businessmen and these relationships. Now, one of the businessmen... And actually, it's the second clip I have for you here where they show the gold bars. Now, let me just say, if indeed this uh, is all proven to be the case, obviously shame on Bob Menendez. I do want him to be held legally accountable. This is absolutely horrible for our democracy, him selling his power to, in this case, Egyptian government advocates. And that's completely unacceptable, obviously. And it also happens to just <laughs> directly refute the idea that the justice system's aimed at protecting Democrats, because here, boom, uncovering this evidence and now prosecuting him. 
One thing you can you know, see, I, Elliot, as you continue, that what, what they did is they came in and they, they turned around the you know, poster board, if you will, to show some of the evidence that is depicted in, in the indictment. That is a jacket that says Senator Menendez with cash, literally cash was in the pocket is yeah. what they allege. And these, the gold bars that they allege were given as a bribe to the senator and his wife. I mean, that's... I don't know. There's something about the gold bar yeah. thing that is just so it, out there, Elliot. It's it's not look. It's not unlawful to possess blocks of gold, and frankly, it's not unlawful, as the senator is alleged to have done in the indictment, to Google how much money is a block of gold worth. <laughs> that said, it is inherently suspicious. I don't have any blocks of gold on me right now, and I would assume most Americans do not. Yeah, <laughs> jackets full of cash and gold bars. Hmm, not exactly a normal thing for a senator to be doing. So, I mean, it bolsters the obvious idea everyone knows, which is no matter your political identification, you can be corrupt. And we're seeing that potentially play out here. It is uh, the most accurate way for me to speak to always before someone's been convicted, say allegedly and potentially. I think this is really damning though. So know that that's not me saying, I don't know about the facts here, it's pretty damning. I will say as well to Republicans, when you accuse Biden of bribery because Hunter Biden made money and you haven't made a link between that money that was made and Joe Biden, this is what bribery looks like. This is the evidence of bribery that you absolutely don't have on Joe Biden. But then, of course, it's hard to ignore because we've had to uh, uh, argue against time and time again the idea that there's this conspiracy to go after and persecute Republicans and to protect Democrats. This just flies in the face of that. But no need to fear, my dear. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Kirk, uh, the right wing political commentator on his show, broke down why, even though it still bolsters his idea, why they're indicting a Democratic Senator, it's important to understand the way that the fourth branch of government operates is with intentionality. There are no mistakes. There are no indictments without the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing. So the first most obvious takeaway is important. They're doing this to create the appearance of impartiality so that they can continue their jihad against Donald Trump. And of course, just deranged, but it's the same thing we hear with Hunter Biden, where now that he's been indicted, they'll say the indictment is just to cover for the fact that they're protecting him. Here, Menendez is being indicted to distract people from the fact that they're actually protecting Democrats or persecuting Donald Trump. They want to appear impartial. And so they're doing things that would lead normal, rational people to believe that maybe they're just not as biased against Republicans as you believe they are, Charlie. If you have to keep going on your show and explaining why actually the contradictions of your narrative time and time again bolster your narrative somehow, maybe your narrative just is being contradicted and that's it. That's the end of the story. And your narrative is not based in fact. And if everyone had a principled approach to politics and to law and order, then we could get past these conversations so much more quickly. You could be upset and bummed out that the guy you like, Trump, is being held legally accountable and hardcore supporters of Bob Menendez, not someone we've spent a lot of time talking about, but um, 
could be upset that he's dealing with this and potentially committed crimes. And then we could be principled and say, but of course, law and order, hold him accountable no matter who it is. He'll have his day in court, innocent until proven guilty. We don't have to knee-jerk be blinded by partisanship and uh, bend ourselves and bend our principles into just a place of dishonesty in that end. And that's what people like Charlie Kirk do day after day. Instead of, as you just saw me cover, Democratic senator charged, all right, let the process play out. And if he's convicted, he should be sentenced, whatever is appropriate. There we go. Very simple. You should try it out, Charlie. It's called honesty. <laughs> well, Donald Trump has weighed in on the potential government shutdown that uh, individuals who are aligned with him within the Republican Party are going to be the cause of if it happens because they're making these hardliner absurd uh, demands as a condition of their support for any funding of the government. And if by the end of the month, an agreement is not made within Congress and, uh, of course, the president, then the government will shut down. And that looks like it's going to happen. And Trump is making that even more likely here on Truth Social. A very important deadline is approaching at the end of the month. Republicans in Congress can and must defund all aspects of crooked Joe Biden's weaponized government that refuses to close the border and treats half of the country as enemies of the state. Both those statements are false. This is also a chance to defund these political uh, prosecutions against me and other patriots. They failed on the debt limit, but they must not fail now. Use the power of the purse and defend the country. So he's saying, which individuals, again, who are loyal to him, such as Matt Gates, are already making this a demand, that the institutions that are prosecuting him should be defunded, and that should be a condition of the hardliners' uh, demands. That should be a condition that has to be met for them to support funding the government, allowing the government to continue functioning and to prevent it from shutting down. And he is calling for, as much as they talk about the left is weaponizing positions of power against the right, he is calling for the weaponization of their positions of authority to interfere with legal accountability of him, which is pretty dang wild. Now, this moment is chaotic. I talked about in a past segment the fact that the House Republican Caucus has just descended into a complete state of chaos, and it's gotten to such a ridiculous extent that I have here for you proof that hell has frozen over <laughs> and a Republican congressman is unhappy enough with Kevin McCarthy's leadership that he's praising Pelosi <laughs> and how great she was at leading, of course, not on policies he agree with, uh, agrees with, but just her effectiveness as a speaker of the House and is not happy with McCarthy's effectiveness. Now, it's pretty obvious that's the case. He can't wrangle his own party. But here is Tim Burchett saying, listen, for all my disagreements with Pelosi, she knew how to do the job much better than Speaker McCarthy. I understand if we shut do down the Ukraine him, said that Speaker. I have my questions. I have my doubts right now because uh, I'm seeing uh, we need leadership, ma'am. We don't need someone just to say we got 218 votes or whatever that jumps on the train after it leaves the station. I, we need some people. Um, Speaker Pelosi, for instance, I'll give you a, you know, I, I don't agree with her ever, hardly on anything, but she uh, she was pretty successful in her, and, and the way she did it was, she put an issue out amongst her caucus, she met with them, she got a, um, 
she figured out what they wanted, mm -hmm. and then they put it on the floor and they passed it, and they rallied around it. A lot of work goes into that, but we're not seeing that. I'm not seeing that work right now, and um, and it's very disappointing to me. A rare compliment from a Republican for former no, Speaker she's, Pelosi. She's a friend of mine. I mean, she has a granddaughter named Isabella, and I have a daughter named Isabel, and uh, my daughter got hurt real bad last year on a horse which she actually won world championship in her division. And Speaker Pelosi is always asking me about her. So, yeah. I'd love to hear I'm, that. And we hope that your daughter. So things have gone pretty awry for Kevin McCarthy when a member of his own party is longing for better times when Pelosi was in charge. I'm sure he prefers, of course, Kevin McCarthy, but recognizes what we all do, which is however you feel about Pelosi, her policies or ideology, and same with Kevin McCarthy, Pelosi could actually govern like an adult and could lead her party. Now that gets to more of what impacts the governance efficacy. It's the party itself. It's who Kevin McCarthy's leading. And for him to have power, at least he believes, and I think this probably is correct, he has to try to keep the MAGA part of the Republican Party happy. And the MAGA part is creating a situation where they're, as Mike Lawler uh, another Republican congressman called it a clown show. They're not serious about governing, so this is what we get. And Kevin McCarthy, because his only goal is not principle but power, and he wants to stay Speaker of the House, and he knows MAGA could threaten that, is trying to hear them out and placate them and all that, when doing that makes it impossible to effectively govern. And that's what we're seeing play out. <laughs> and then you have Tim Burchett saying, you know, Pelosi, she knew how to get it done. Kevin McCarthy, not so much. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez responded to the Lauren Boebert fondling debacle and had just a spot-on take. And it must be so aggravating for AOC to watch all of this play out and know if she got caught doing what Lauren Boebert got caught doing, it would be the top story on Fox News for... Mm, 125 years it would be the thing they talk about non-stop forever and they're not so interested in the lauren bober story as a reminder of what we're talking about a clip we've played too many times at this point she was in a theater watching beetlejuice um and then of course we'll get to aoc's response but just context for everybody and was having herself fondled by her partner then fondling him back and just having a good old time uh public indecency possibly and uh, she also at points in time was vaping, asked not to, then she kept doing it, was shouting and taking flash photos and eventually got kicked out of the theater. So here is AOC responding. All I gotta say is I can't go out to lunch in Florida in my free time, not doing anything just eating outside and it's wall-to-wall -wall Fox News coverage. And then you have a member of Congress engaging in sexually lewd acts in a public theater and they got nothing to say. I danced to Phoenix once in college and it was like all over the place. But, um putting on a whole show of their own at Beetlejuice and it's and there's nothing I'm just saying be consistent that's all I'm asking for equal treatment I don't expect it but come on and of course she's exactly right 
Can you even imagine if it were AOC in that video? Now, your answer might be no, <laughs> because AOC has higher character than Lauren Boebert. She wouldn't treat theater staff that way, saying, do you know who I am, and flipping them off, and bothering her fellow audience members, and breaking theater rules. She wouldn't do that, so the answer might be no. But let's say that you could. Fox News' reaction would be off the walls. It would be an explosion. Um, and separate from that, or even beyond that, it would be proof to the right wing or right wing media that the degenerate Democratic Party, as represented by AOC, has led to the end of America. That would be it. Wokeness is going to see to each and every one of your demises. That would be the story. And I have to come back to, there is no equivalent to Lauren Boebert, to Marjorie Green, Matt Gates, Trump, on the left. There's no equivalent. So when people try to frame our political conversation as you kind of have equal extremes, and that's why it's great to just split the middle between that, which let me again say before you click off the video, but I'm a moderate. You, It could be great for you to be if you contextualize it correctly. There is extremism on both sides of the political spectrum uh, out in the world, 100%, because we have a two-sided framework, and within that, a massive country, extremism will pop up on both sides. Absolutely, wackos on both sides, yes. But especially in this moment where social media uplifts extremist voices because of the provocative nature of them and algorithms being structured to incentivize that and uh, promote that, we have to, for our political conversation, talk almost exclusively about people in positions of power because then we know, okay, this isn't just a one-off or some rando getting attention, but they don't actually represent a large part of the population. If someone can make it to a position of power, especially in a democratic society, they have views, the, the character that they have represent something that a bunch of people have endorsed, a bunch of people have put their vote towards. And so in positions of power, you don't have in this two-sided framework equivalents um, of, again, the far right of the Republican Party over on the left. You just don't have that. You have different sets of policy positions. You have people who you might perceive as not as uh, thoughtful or a little bit cuckoo on their policy positions and their proposals or whatever, but you don't have the conspir uh, conspiratorial and detached from reality and extreme nature of someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who actively promoted QAnon, or Lauren Boebert, one embarrassing moment after another, and also some just wild views. You don't have that on the left, even if you disagree severely with AOC, for example. In positions of power, the extremism, the uh, rejection of basic facts is exclusively showing up in this far right part of the Republican Party. And then out in the world, you have people who are, I'm a lefty and they're wacky too or whatever. And I think remembering that when we look at stories like this is important. Because as we talked about with Mitt Romney, of course we're gonna disagree, wildly so. And some of the policies that moderate Republicans push for, I make the case for those being very detrimental to people's lives, but we can at least agree on some foundational things, a basic respect for our constitution, democracy, and some basic sets of facts, and then move from there and debate it out for sure, and uh, battle it out within our democratic process. But when you start having people 
like the individuals we talk about in the MAGA part of the GOP on a daily basis, it gets really hard to effectively govern and effectively have those political debates. And I think everyone that's not within that part of the GOP, moderate Republicans, people who consider themselves to be centrist, and individuals anywhere on the left should be able to agree upon that. Rupert Murdoch has announced that he's stepping down as chairman of uh, Fox Corporation and News Corporation. Of course, he has a horrific legacy building an empire, a media empire that has caused hard to even fathom amounts of harm. And we'll talk about that some in this segment. Then we'll get to Elizabeth Warren responding in the perfect fashion to this news. First here from CNN. Rupert Murdoch's reign over the insidious right-wing media kingdom he forged into existence over a decades-long career is coming to a close. The 92-year-old right-wing media mogul who announced Thursday that he will step down as chairman of Fox Corporation and News Corporation will leave behind a stain that cannot be erased and will far outlive the time he spent on the throne of his global media empire. A correct way to word that. Before getting to Elizabeth Warren, CNN put together a little bit of a montage of moments to reflect on the history of Fox News. A hoax. We keep marrying other species and other ethnics and, and other. Are you sure you're not uh, suffering from right, some of the, right. um, I mean, the, the causes Swedes, of dementia right see, now? See, the problem is that the, the Swedes have uh, pure genes because okay. they marry other Swedes because that's the rule. Finland, <laughs> Finns marry other Finns, so they have a pure society. In America, we marry everybody. Asian people are not liberal, you know, by nature. They're, they're usually more industrious and hardworking. You're a Muslim, so why did you write a book about the founder of Christianity? Well, say you're a cocaine dealer, and you kind of look like one a little bit. For all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white, but this person is just arguing that, that maybe we should, we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is. Precisely is diversity our strength. Well, I have something in common with Obama, and I don't exactly. even know what the big deal is. He's a African anyway. A fist bump, a pound, a terrorist fist jab. You grew up on tacos, correct? Sorry, let me pause for a second. We won't watch a bunch of this, don't worry, but... A terrorist fist pound, is that what she called it? You're probably thinking, what is she referring to if you miss that manufacturer controversy? Barack Obama and Michelle Obama fist bumped. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and it's a terrorist fist pound. This is a channel, a, a network you can go click on <laughs> on your list of channels with a title, and half of the title is news. That's disturbing. She did not no, I did not She's grow. Columbia. No, uh, oh, I didn't know. Nicaraguan. Okay. Catholics write letters, and Muslims stab you with letter openers. Not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. Many Americans, including this one, believe Barack Obama's emotional attachment to the Muslim world has hurt the USA. This guy should go back to uh, burning the taxpayer-funded incense to whatever pagan foreign deity he's worshipping because... Okay, you get the point. I don't want to poison your mind by playing too much of that. Vile. Horrific. People, in a way that I don't see with any other media, just plug in their brain and just watch for hours and hours and hours, always. Everyone has a story of someone in their family who sits non-stop and watches Fox News and it's just always blaring in the living room and to think that 
that is the perception of the world that's being delivered to them. Then you understand when I go to Trump rallies or I did Mocha's with MAGA, you understand why it's a possibility to believe the things that many of the individuals who watch Fox News and other networks believe. If that is all you're seeing uh, the world through, if the lens that you see the world through is Fox News, then it could look a lot different than it actually looks. And that's really unfortunate. But here was Elizabeth Warren's response to this news. Um, you know, it, it, it seems that um, what Tarberville is doing, what others are doing, does seem in many instances uh, to entertain, uh, essentially to entertain the viewers of, of One Network, Fox, uh, and other right-wing media. Um, it doesn't seem that there's a governing purpose beyond that, it, uh, oftentimes. You have called Fox uh, a dangerous, you know, factory of lies and, and, and been very blunt in your assessment of the damage that they've done to our democracy. Do you have a comment on the fact that Rupert Murdoch at 92 is now stepping, stepping down uh, and is becoming an emeritus and no longer will be running that company? Rupert Bur Murdoch built a hate-for-profit machine. And that machine has undermined our democracy and done incalculable damage to this nation. I'm glad he's leaving, but I wish he'd never come. Mm, mm, yes, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And I do think we have to make sure that we never allow, similar to how I just talked about with the kind of both sidesing of extremism and how you just got to make sure you put that within the proper context and not allow for those incorrect framings of American politics. It applies here too. There are such massive, gargantuous, ginormous issues with all forms of media, whether it be shows like mine that I do or other cable news shows or whatever. And that is fair to call out. We should talk about how we should push the media to be better. And But I've seen some people pretending like CNN or MSNBC is the equivalent of Fox News. And that, I think, is so wrong. It borders on just it has to be dishonest for you to have that analysis. There is bias 100%. There are lies that are told on all sorts of networks. There is a misdelivery of facts and corporate interests that sway coverage and all these things absolutely and they matter nothing compares to the uh right-wing ecosystem that rupert murdoch created through fox news and the other media outlets and papers and all that's associated with him nothing nothing equivalent to the just fear factory the lie factory constantly pumped out and he found out that especially among a lot of people uh fear and hatred could be weaponized for profit in a way that of course fear plays a role in so many different aspects of social media uh coverage of events and what makes certain things popular and other networks but the magnitude on fox news and now that other right-wing networks try to model is like nothing we've ever seen. And so it's good that he's leaving, but as Elizabeth Warren said, he should have never initially started all of this. And let's be honest, it's not like it's gonna swing in a really normal, reasonable direction because this is now 
the industry he has created and other forces as well but staying on him he's created a model that if you don't follow it you can't be successful you just can't within right-wing media and so now we see a bunch of replicas of fox news and that is so devastating for the way that we see our fellow americans and again there's guilt on other media uh, parts of the spectrum for sure but nothing like fox news and these other networks now the the way people see their fellow americans the lies that are being fed the rejection of basic facts the acceptance of wild conspiracy theories and then the damage to our democracy and that's really chilling and unfortunate to think about as we watch kind of the end of the rupert murdoch at fox and a news corporation uh story well this one is pretty dang terrifying gotta gotta be honest with you the outgoing chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general mark milley is warning of the devastating threat that's posed by a second trump term and specifically to the rule of law and milley believes this lifelong military leader that trump will start locking up no joke his perceived political enemies and we've talked about this and we'll talk more about it as we get closer to this historic and unprecedented and very terrifying election. Um, but General Mark Milley is also talking about it here for media. Outgoing chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, has warned that should former President Donald Trump return to the White House, he will lack the guardrails that restrain his worst impulses during his first term and will start throwing people in jail as he sees fit. Milley added that he would be top of the list of critics Trump would use the power of government to imprison. And this comes from a Jeffrey Goldberg uh, in-depth profile called the patriot being released in the atlantic if trump is re-elected uh, re president there will be no espers or millies in his administration nor will there be any officials of the stature and independence of john kelly hr mcmaster or james mattis uh, listing some of trump's former pentagon leaders and key white house officials trump and his allies have already threatened officials they see as disloyal with imprisonment and there's little reason to imagine that he would not attempt to carry out his threats, Goldberg continued, adding, Milley has told friends that he expects that if Trump returns to the White House, the newly elected president will come after him. He'll start throwing people in jail, and I'd be on top, uh, on the top of the list, he has said. But he's also told friends that he does not believe the country will re-elect Trump. And it goes on to talk about how he is optimistic and believes in the American people and doesn't think Trump will once again get into a position of authority now there's one other part i want to discuss about this atlantic in-depth analysis or a profile of mark milley but first on that horrifying lifelong military leader saying he's going to go full fascistic authoritarian type actions if he becomes president again not someone who's your crazy lib saying that <laughs> lifelong military leader a general chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and that's surprising in that it's so devastating it's not surprising in that trump has been advertising this it's a democrat charging his opponent nobody's ever seen anything like it that means that if i win and somebody wants to run against me i call my attorney general i say listen indict him well, he hasn't done anything wrong that we know of. I don't know. Indict him on income tax evasion. You'll figure it out. Mm. So Nancy Mace's response was, well, I can't tell when Trump's joking or being serious. 
Yes, because that's the thing you want to joke about, locking up your political opponents for no reason. Now, of course, the justification, excuse me, is the fabrication of that happening right now to Trump. They say that's happening right now to Trump. When it's not, based on the evidence, he's just being held accountable for his potential violations of the law. But it'll be justified in the minds of his followers because they try to do that to Trump. When, of course, that's not the reality. Another part of this that's pretty uh, horrifying for what it means about Trump's character. Goldberg's piece also reported that Trump did not want to be seen at events with severely wounded American soldiers. Recalling previous reporting from Goldberg that Trump, while president, despaired soldiers who were killed in action. And that's where those losers and suckers quotes came from. And so, uh, just, and then people support that. The pro-military party supports Donald Trump. It makes absolutely no sense. And how long did Republicans posture as really caring about the views and the, um, the analysis of renowned, well-respected military leaders? And now, boom, Mark Milley's a rhino. Nah, he's a liberal. General Mark Milley, lifelong career military member, the lib. Um, and they ignore the fact that he's saying, guys, I worked with this guy. I saw what he would ask us about. And I saw his ideology. And this is devastating. Now, he doesn't think Trump will win, but that's playing with fire. And still people will wave that away. Nah, we don't care. The pro-military party doesn't care about this massively respected lifelong military leader and his view on trump that is just yet another example of the way that these principles aren't actual principles they're just things that are said for a political advantage and uh, can be contradicted very quickly well we have another fantastic chris christie moment this time taunting trump because trump goes after chris christie on social media calls them names, but isn't brave enough to actually show up to the debate and debate with Chris Christie. And we've gotten confirmation that Trump won't be showing up to the second Republican presidential primary debate next week. And Chris Christie's saying, listen, as Wolf Blitzer reads to him negative things that were said by Trump about Chris Christie on True Social, he's real brave behind the, you know, True Social wall. But if he actually was willing to say these things and stand by them, then show up on the debate stage and say that in my face. And here is that moment from CNN. News that are coming up right now, as you probably know, Donald Trump, uh, he posted a series of social media attacks <laughs> going after you, yeah. attacks against you last night. He called you, and I'm reading now, a grifter. He attacked your record as governor of New Jersey, and he attacked your campaign. He clearly sees you as a potential significant rival. All right. Well, you know, he said himself, Wolf, um, a few uh, few weeks ago, I only uh, attack number two. Well, he has stopped attacking Ron DeSantis and he started attacking me. Um, you and I have sat here before and had this conversation. I told you that I was going to gain in this race. We've seen it now in all the polling in New Hampshire. I'm a second place in, in New Hampshire. Um, we are going to take on Donald Trump directly. Um, and uh, he doesn't like it when he's taken on directly and he's confronted. I'm the only one on that stage 
who was unwilling to raise my hand beside Asa Hutchinson and say I wouldn't support a convicted felon for president of the United States. Uh, he doesn't like when people stand up to him and call him out on the nonsense that he's involved in. And I guess he had a bad night last night. Maybe he had some bad Chinese food or something, Wolf. But at 11.30 at night, a little indigestion decided to attack me. Keep it coming, Donald. And by the way, if he had any guts, he'd get on the debate stage and he's got things to say about me. Stop hiding behind your social media site, your failed social media site, Donald, and start taking me on directly. Show up. Stop being a coward. The uh, Wall Street Journal. Mm. True that. Now, I said before that the reason Trump's not showing up to the debate, they say, oh, it's because he's leading so much in the polls and he doesn't feel it's necessary. I think it's almost solely because he's terrified of Chris Christie. Because... With all that we've talked about when it comes to Chris Christie, he is so far from me on policy and we would clash consistently in that realm. As a debater, effective, and his criticisms of Donald Trump are accurate. And so, sure, DeSantis might try to sort of nudge Trump and you were too friendly with Fauci and Vivek Ramaswamy might say, I'm the better version of Trump, I'm Trump 2.0 or... Nikki Haley might do a little here and there. Chris Christie will look at Trump and go after him on things that are devastating about Donald Trump. Now, that might be enough to hurt Trump, which is why I want it to happen within some of the Republican Party. But most of those criticisms about his complete absence of leadership, the opposite of that on January 6th, and just all that goes along with Donald Trump, his threat to democracy, to the rule of law, Mark Milley, as we just talked about, warning of Trump's threat to the rule of law. And those things won't necessarily resonate with the hardcore MAGA supporters, but at least they will be heard by a lot of people and will, uh, to his face, have Trump have to answer for those criticisms. And likely he won't be able to nail his answers. And so then for the general public, too, you get more of for maybe those swing voters or whatever more of uh an example of why trump shouldn't be in the white house once again as he's being called out by chris christie and then i love the if you're so brave on your social media site why can't you show up and say it to my face and that's a sign of cowardice for sure so there it is chris christie doing it again i have a moment here for you from a house judiciary committee hearing where Merrick Garland, the attorney general, was being grilled, and we talked about how they were talking lots about Hunter Biden and other things as well, including January 6th. And Republican Representative Victoria Sparks brings us one of the most ridiculous, mind-boggling moments we've seen in a very long time out of these hearings, and is, I guess, concerned that the insurrectionists on January 6th are the real victims, and Attorney General Merrick Garland needs to care about that. And a lot of just points are being made and it's very confusing. And I'll show this to you. Again, this is supposed to be oversight of the DOJ. And this is what Victoria Sparks has to say. Example, I don't know we talk what... about January 6th people. I'm sorry? Yeah, there, there are some people came on January 6th. There are probably some people that came on January 6th here, you know, that had bad intent. But a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because of... <laughs> strollers and the kids. Now, 
if she's conflating the Trump speech before the attack on the Capitol and the attack on the Capitol, then that's just being dishonest. There were no strollers and kids in the attack on the Capitol, Victoria Sparts. The proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, <laughs> FBI agents. Wait, pause for a second. Hold up. What? Look at Merrick Garland's face. It's just priceless. I've said before, I have to say this, otherwise some people get mad, but I authentically mean it. Um, I approach these stories in a lighthearted manner so that I can be sane doing this job and I'm not always screaming and angry and my blood pressure is not always super high. So what she's defending is horrific. The attempted overthrowing of our government to keep Trump the president. But Let's just observe it in a lighthearted fashion for a second. Merrick Garland, he's trying so hard. His eyes are squinted. What are you saying? Um, the strollers and the kids, smoke bombs were being thrown into? What strollers and kids were at the clash between police officers and rioters? What is she talking about? You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll share some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question. You're probably not a bad person. I don't know you. But what I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow work investigation. Merrick Garland's mouth is slightly open, he's like... Uh -huh. <laughs> on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, everything is slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then by the time, you know, that investigation ended, statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. Okay, you probably should have as part of your hiring policy. So no one held accountable, which was <laughs> egregious what happened, you know, in that report. When I read with them, I can't believe it happened in the United United States of America. This is my frustration. I'll be honest with you. Then it's very interesting, you know, regardless what it is, even people in Obama administration. I would love if Merrick Garland turns on his mic and goes, <laughs> do you have a question? <laughs> that was two minutes and 19 seconds of just her expressing a bunch about a bunch of things, some that I could figure out, some I couldn't. And I know that she was also pushing the idea of the two-tier justice system, um, saying you're really fast to move on Trump. As we talked about, Hunter Biden has been indicted. We just talked about in this show, Democratic Senator Bob Menendez was just indicted. And Merrick Garland has done all this stuff. He's you want to talk about slow walk? There's extensive, credible reporting revealing that he slow walked Trump's investigation. That's the thing he slow walked. Um... But still, it has to be this two-tier justice system. I'm sorry that your guy potentially committed a bunch of crimes, Victoria Sparks. I'm sorry that Donald Trump 
and to the MAGA movement at large, I'm sorry that your guy just might be a criminal. Maybe he's not. We'll see. Okay. Uh, innocent until proven guilty, but maybe he is. That doesn't mean that just that fact by itself proves there's a two-tier justice system and he's being politically persecuted and he didn't do anything wrong and he's a big victim. And he At some point, maybe it's just him. Just like how all these officials left his administration saying, this guy is wackadoodadoo, doodle do. There we go. Um, this guy is unhinged. He should not be president. We just talked about lifelong military leader who Republicans, you said you would respect in the past. General Mark Milley, who served alongside Donald Trump, saying he is a threat to the rule of law, will lock up his political opponents if he became president again. All of those people, maybe they're not all the liars. Maybe Trump's the one. Maybe Trump's the problem. If everyone else is the liar, maybe it's you. <laughs> we will wrap it up there for today. Um, we will have a fantastic amazing incredible bonus show because of the crazy day that was thursday with not a formal show but the release of mochas with maga the bonus show is going to be just something special i have an interview to debut for for all of you um so you'll see that there tomorrow on saturday probably yes on saturday and if something goes horribly right, possibly Sunday, but I think on Saturday, that interview with a prominent individual within the MAGA movement, um, and it was pretty dang fascinating and wild, and some political stories as well I'll cover. Until then, be well.